Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. This week, we deviate from our usual cadence and bring you another course from the Commune Library. As you may know, in addition to being a podcast, Commune is also a video course platform featuring a wide range of courses from top authors, thought leaders, teachers, and doctors on personal growth, yoga, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact. Essentially, everything that you need to be holistically well. One of our all-time most-watched programs is Dr. Mark Hyman's course on hacking your healthcare. In this course, he explains how to work with your current doctor to harness the power of functional medicine and tackle the root causes of chronic disease. He will share exactly what questions to ask your doctor as well as what tests might be helpful in your situation. Over the next five days, we will be releasing the first five parts of Dr. Hyman's series. Now, if you want to watch the full video version of the course, which includes 10 core lessons plus FAQs and lots of downloadable worksheets, well, then I encourage you to go to onecommune.com health and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's O-N-E commune.com slash health. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's course library, including the full-length version of Hacking Your Healthcare. We always email you before your free trial is up, but if you continue on to become a Commune member, well, thank you. Our members are a key reason we are able to create and share free content like this. And if you regularly tune into this podcast, I also ask that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Tap follow show and leave us a review. It really does make a huge difference. And now here's day four, where Dr. Hyman offers some tests and tips for figuring out if you have a key hormone imbalance. Hi there, it's Dr. Mark Hyman again, and welcome to day four of Hacking Your Healthcare. Today, we're gonna dive into hormones. Now, hormones are the messenger molecules of your endocrine system, and they're involved in the regulation of most of our body systems. And imbalances in our hormones will create unnecessary misery, and the changes are often subtle. See, most physicians just treat you when it's extreme. Uh, the main hormones we have to get in balance are sex hormones, our thyroid hormones, and our adrenal hormones. We also have to balance our insulin, but we're gonna cover this later in the course. Now, there are other hormones for sure, but problems with those are more rare and specialized. A lot of doctors will not run hormone testing unless you are really sick, or you have been trying to conceive a baby for a long time, or if you have an overt sexual dysfunction or health issues around this body system. Often they won't just do complete testing, they just do screening tests, which often will miss more subtle problems. Now in functional medicine, we believe that hormones play a big role in reproductive health, mental health, gut health, even our immune system. So even if you're not trying to have a baby right now or ever, it's still a good idea to know what your hormone levels look like for both men and women. 
So let's start with imbalances in sex hormones. So what could hormone imbalance look like for you? Do your mood and energy levels swing up and down, making you feel crazy? <laughs> or if you're a woman, do you have PMS? Uh, do you require coffee to wake you up in the morning and wine to calm you down at night? Has your libido or sex drive decreased and are you writing it off as aging? Or has your mental endurance plummeted, making it hard to focus on tasks or do you have brain fog? If this sounds like you, then a sex hormone panel is really important to run. There are tiny messenger molecules in your body that send signals from one body system to another, making us run smoothly, which is what we want. However, if these molecules are out of whack, then our energy levels, our zest for life, and our moods, they're gonna go haywire. See, one of the mottos that I practice is, don't guess, test. When something feels off, it probably is. And we can guess what the problem is all day long, but in order to practice evidence-based medicine, we need to see the numbers. Now, this eliminates so much unnecessary time and trying different shotgun approaches that may never lead to a solution. So talk to your doctor and test, don't guess. So where do we begin in the world of hormones? I wanna first discuss how you test your hormones. See, in functional medicine, we can test things through blood, saliva, urine, even stool. So which one is best for hormones? It depends, but blood and saliva and urine all have their place in testing depending on the marker that you're looking at. And that's why it's important for your doctor to know which test to use and which test to use when. Now, if you're just getting preliminary screening, then blood is one of the best and affordable ways to start. If you're working with a skilled functional medicine doctor, then they will be able to make the distinction between when a urine metabolite test will be more helpful than a blood test or a saliva test. So let's jump right back into hormones. Men, well, they're simpler than women, so we're gonna start there. For the women listening, this is still so important for you because the men you are with are much less likely to schedule a doctor's appointment for themselves. <laughs> Women are the primary healthcare navigators in the family. Women are more likely to notice changes in their health, in the men's health, and to act on those changes by seeking out medical advice from a doctor. So women out there, if you have sons, nephews, husbands, fathers, or brothers in your life, then listen for them. You might pick something up that could be really helpful for a man that you love or care about. It's estimated that 39% of men over the age of 45, that's 40% almost, have low testosterone, what's called low T. Why such a huge percentage? Well, diabetes is the leading contributor to this because elevated insulin levels from belly fat lower your testosterone levels and that can cause an increase also in estrogen levels. So as your belly fat goes up, your testosterone goes down and so does your sex drive and sex function. Basically, when your consumption of sugar and starch goes up, your sex hormones get messed up for both men and women in slightly different ways. In addition to metabolic dysfunction, certain pain medications, statins, lack of exercise, inflammation also contribute to the rates of lower testosterone in our country. I think these numbers might actually be a modest estimate because most doctors will not test testosterone levels in a man unless he's coming in with sexual dysfunction. I also make sure to check, always check the hormones if a guy has belly fat. I wanna stop for a minute here and take a digression to talk about a very important drug that has serious side effects related to sexual function. This is one of the most common drugs prescribed 
and it's the class of drugs called statins to lower cholesterol. And here's the thing, guess where your testosterone is made from? It's made from cholesterol. So when you take a drug that lowers cholesterol, you're also potentially lowering your hormone levels and your sex hormone levels. So isn't it funny that on Sunday night you're flipping through TV channels at home and up pops a commercial for a statin like Lipitor, Crestor, or Zocor, and the very next commercial is for Cialis or Viagra? Now this probably isn't a coincidence, but it's also known that statins can decrease testosterone levels, which leads to sexual dysfunction or erectile dysfunction. It can even cause men to grow breasts, called gynecomastia. Side effects like this happen when we give a pharmaceutical to slap a bandage on our problem instead of finding what the underlying cause is. If your testosterone levels are low and you have abnormal cholesterol, it might be what you're eating, namely sugar and starch. Now this medicine where you have a drug and a side effect and another drug to fit it, it's sort of like whack-a-mole. You hit one mole down, you get rid of one symptom, then another one symptom pops up somewhere else, then we need another drug. It's a nightmare, and this is what happens in medicine all the time. As we saw on day one, male testosterone levels are decreasing with each generation. So much so that the new normal reference ranges are being reestablished, which is not what we want to do. We don't want to make it normal for people to be abnormal. So should we really lower our standards for what's normal, or should we dig in and find out why our health as a nation is decreasing at such a fast rate? So here's why it's happening. We have increasing levels of toxin exposure, and these toxins are one of the major disruptors of hormones. We also have higher stress, which affects our hormones. I mean, when you're stressed out and running from a tiger, you don't wanna be having sex, right? And we're consuming food that's not really food. It's food-like substances. And we're eating huge amounts of starch and sugar. It's about a pound a day almost combined for every man, woman, and child in America. This is a huge amount. It's 155 or 152 pounds of sugar and 133 pounds of flour. These are pharmacologic doses, and that leads to this belly fat and hormone mess up, both for men and women. Now, those are the obvious reasons. In conventional medicine, the normal reference range for testosterone, as we said before, has been lowered to 264 to 916. But that's a huge range. Does this mean a man with a testosterone of 265 is gonna have the same sexual function and vitality and muscle mass as a man with a testosterone level of 916? Absolutely not. But we have decided to put these two people in the same category of health. We wanna to get to what's optimal. What are the optimal ranges? So men under the age of 30 should have testosterone levels that are over 700. And men over the age of 30 should have testosterone levels that are at least 500 and maybe even more. Now, there are measurements for total testosterone, which is helpful, but we also need to look at the active hormone levels, the free testosterone levels. See, most of the testosterone is carried around on something called sex hormone binding globulin, which kind of carries it around and releases it when you need it. This is a carrier protein in the blood, and, and it means that when you have a lot of that, you can't get your testosterone to work where it's supposed to work. Free testosterone is just measuring the hormone that's free and active and working its magic. Free testosterone levels in men should be at least 10, but ideally closer to 15 or 20. In addition to getting your testosterone levels tested, you should also ask that your doctor check the binding protein that we discussed a minute ago called SHBG, or sex hormone binding globulin. This is the carrier protein for testosterone and other hormones, and if it's too high for various reasons, it can make your free testosterone levels too low. So you can have a normal total, but your free is too low. In other words, SHBG is like a bus, and on the bus there are a bunch of workers. And the workers, in this case, are testosterone. If we have too many buses, 
then all the workers will be on a bus and they won't be out doing their job. So a man can have a testosterone of 700, but if his free testosterone is only five, all the rest is on the bus, is bound to this SHBG, and he's gonna still feel like his testosterone is 300. So in summary, we wanna test total testosterone, which hopefully is over 500, or better, over 600, and we wanna test the free testosterone to make sure we have a bunch of free workers on the field to do the work. Ideally getting free testosterone between 15 and 20. And we want to test SHBG to make sure there aren't too many buses keeping all the workers bound up and unable to do their jobs effectively. Further upstream is another hormone called DHEA or dihydroepiandrosteroin, but DHA is good for short. Uh, DHA is another hormone you want to make sure your doctor orders because it's the precursor hormone for testosterone. It's also an adrenal hormone, which we'll talk about later. If DHEA is too low, it can indicate that your adrenal glands, which are responsible for responding to stress, may not be functioning ideally. DHA levels should be between two to 400. If it's low, you can supplement it with DHA directly, but as functional medicine practitioners will often do, we like to try to get to the root of the issue. So implementing stress relieving exercises, things like meditation, yoga, interlife might just do the trick and there's other herbal supplements that can help as well. All right, now let's move on to a hormone that's usually considered only essential in female health. However, that hormone has a crucial role in men. It actually plays a role in maintaining a healthy libido and sex function in general and is protective for the brain. And guess what? It's estrogen. Yes, men have estrogen. And it's important for both men and women. It's often demonized in men's health because some men have too much estrogen, which can cause issues like breast development. But normal levels of estrogen are essential to maintain balanced hormones and a happy brain. See, estrogen becomes elevated in men due to diabetes. That's all the sugar and starch. Insulin has the power to actually increase the conversion of testosterone into estrogen, which can add to the fatigue it adds to the sexual dysfunction that's already happening, and it causes all sorts of other problems like man boobs and beer bellies and loss of hair on chest and limbs and turns a man more into a woman. Now, if you have lower than optimal testosterone levels, then the next step is finding out why. Looking at your estrogen levels is a good place to start. There are two types of estrogen that you wanna make sure you ask for, both estradiol or estrone since one can be elevated and the other can remain in the normal range. The other place you wanna look at is the brain. Your brain produces hormones that stimulate your sex hormones. One is called FSH, or follicle-stimulating hormone, and the other one's called LH, or luteinizing hormone, that work on the testicles to help produce testosterone and also sperm. So if LH is low, then the low testosterone you're producing could be due to a brain-based problem. However, a brain-based problem is a much less likely cause than the alcohol, sugar, and starch that you're consuming. Now, insulin resistance and diabetes contributes nearly 70% of the testosterone efficiency in this country. So if you're eating starch and sugar, and you're having alcohol, and you've got this beer belly and belly fat, that's what's lowering your testosterone. It's making you less of a man. So next time you look at that cookie or cake or that soft drink, just realize it's not gonna make you do the things you wanna do when you wanna do them. As we continue to talk about labs, about what labs to test and why, we also need to keep reminding ourselves that labs are not the end of the story. We have to keep asking why. 
Why is the testosterone low? Why is my insulin high? A lot of these answers get back to the basics of health. Things that you can change right now without a doctor. Things like what you eat, how you move your body, whether you're stressed or not, how's your sleep, what's your nutrient levels. Some of these answers require more digging for sure. And for those cases, I highly recommend you find a functional medicine doctor who can help you on your health journey. And I'm gonna suggest going to functionalmedicine.org and searching the Find a Practitioner page to find someone in your area who has been trained in functional medicine. Now, sometimes basic interventions like diet, exercise, stress reduction, sleep, and supplements will work. Other times you need hormone replacement therapy. So that is the basics for men's hormones. Now let's dig into women's hormones. Women are the canaries in the coal mine. They warn us of imminent danger and disturbances no one else can see or feel. In the coal mines, miners would keep a yellow canary. And when it died, they knew the air was bad and they had to get out right away. Unfortunately, the disturbances from our diet and our environment, they register in our anatomy, in the biochemistry and the souls of women. They register as hormone imbalances and can greatly affect the quality of life for everybody involved. Mood disorders are epidemic. For example, depression affects 20% of women, about twice as many women as men. PMS, or premenstrual syndrome, affects between 60 and 75% of United States women. This is not their birthright, but it's a sign of hormone imbalance. Infertility is epidemic and affects more than one in seven couples and is, quote, managed by reproductive endocrinologists through invasive procedures, massive hormone treatments, and IVF or in vitro fertilization, often without looking at the cause of the reproductive issues. Working with my patients, I've helped so many women get pregnant using these simple principles of functional medicine and balancing hormones. So these are just a few of the reasons we need to look at what the root causes are of hormone imbalances in women. Now, I hope this information is gonna help empower women to get the answers they're looking for and listen to your body if it's telling you something is wrong. Your body is the smartest doctor in the room. Women's hormones are more complex because they change much more drastically based on what stage of life you're in, as well as what part of your cycle you're in. If you're experiencing mood swings, irritability, menstrual pain, heavy bleeding, irregular cycles, infertility, brain fog, weight gain, you need to realize that this can be fixed and that functional medicine does a great job in balancing hormones. So let's take a look at the tests. Follicle stimulating hormone, or FSH, luteinizing hormone, LH, estrogen, and by the way, there's no such thing as estrogen, there are many estrogens, particularly estradiol is the main one, progesterone, testosterone, and DHA are the important hormones to include in your screening if you're a female. Now I wanna talk briefly about the difference between premenopausal women and postmenopausal women. Premenopausal women should have regular cycles, that's every 28 days, last two or three days, not too heavy bleeding, not a lot of pain, no PMS. That's optimal, right? That should be normal. But most women don't have that experience. Many can have abnormal cycles, and this can be corrected often by diet. A low sugar diet, low starch, higher fat, more fiber, more plant-rich diet, cutting out sugar, caffeine, alcohol, all these cause imbalances in women's hormones. And then focus on exercise and sleep and stress reduction, and then optimizing your nutrient levels that are involved in hormone regulation, like magnesium and B6 and fish oil. That is enough to fix most people. If that doesn't work, then you do need to find a practitioner that can help you balance your hormones. So women's hormones fluctuate throughout their cycle. So progesterone and the estrogen levels are gonna be different 
depending on where in the cycle you are. Now, the hormonal issues that you're experiencing will determine what day to run your hormone labs on. So this is be either day three or day sort of 18 to 21 of a woman's cycle, with the first day of the cycle being the first day of bleeding. So in addition to the timing of the test, we also have to look at the ratio of the hormones of estrogens to progesterone, since this can be a cause that creates symptoms for many, many women. The most common presentation of a disrupted ratio is what is called estrogen dominance, and this affects a lot of women. In the last half of the cycle, the progesterone should be at its highest, ideally above five, and that's why measuring between day 18 to 21 is really important. Ideally, the estrogen to progesterone ratio should be roughly 10 to one, around the same time period. Now, if your body is not producing enough progesterone, then you may find yourself with symptoms of estrogen dominance, even if the estrogen levels themselves are not high because it's about the ratio and the balance of hormones. What are the signs of estrogen dominance? Well, it could be anxiety, overwhelm, it could be infertility, it could be shorter cycles, it could be heavy bleeding, it could be more PMS, it could be breast tenderness, fluid retention, weight gain, spotting between cycles, trouble sleeping. All these are signs of estrogen dominance. Now, FSH, that's the hormone that's made by the brain that helps the follicles and the ovary develop get ready to release an egg and have a baby. LH is the other brain hormone which triggers a release of the egg so that conception can occur. That also helps develop the progesterone in the second half of your cycle and many women have low progesterone in the second half of their cycle. These are super important to look at if you're trying to have a baby because if you have irregular cycles and you don't know why, you can figure out what's going on. If your ratio of the LH to FSH is high, it indicates that you probably have something called PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. Very common. It's not actually an ovarian problem. It's a problem of diet that causes insulin resistance, a diet that's high in starch and sugar and can lead to symptoms of heavy bleeding, irregular cycles, acne, facial hair, and hair loss on the head and infertility. So now we know that testing on a specific day of the cycle is really important to figure out what's going on, but what about postmenopausal women? Do we even need to test hormones? Well, yes, we do. We absolutely do. However, we do not need to worry about testing on a specific day of the month. Now, one thing to remember, if you test a woman who's in the perimenopause, their hormones can be wildly erratic. One day they may be low, one day they're high. So it's really important to pay attention to their symptoms and treat the symptoms, not the test, but they can be helpful. Now we talked about testosterone in the man, but we wanna revisit it here because testosterone is just as important for women as it is for men. Now, one of the most common things I see is this clinical scenario. A woman comes and she's gone from doctor to doctor to doctor, complaining about low energy levels and no sex drive. She's been told it's aging or maybe it's on her head and she needs Prozac. Well, then she comes to the Ultra Wellness Center, our center in Massachusetts. We run a comprehensive panel on her and her testosterone levels come back undetectable, zero. It's no mystery why women like this don't feel good. They don't feel like themselves and they've lost their vitality and their sex drive and their sex function. Uh, she's running on empty. In women, the total testosterone level should be between 60 to 80 and the free testosterone level should be over 0.5. Now, testosterone is essential for a clear brain function, for motivation, for sexual desire, 
for maintaining lean muscle mass and optimizing your energy. Now, if you're a woman and you're tired and you have a low libido or sex drive, does that mean that you have low testosterone? Well, maybe, but not necessarily. And this is why you need to test and not guess. We always want to find the why behind the symptoms, not just treat the symptoms or the test blindly. With all lab measurements, there can be too much of a good thing. Testosterone is definitely one of these things. Testosterone is an androgen. It's a male hormone, but it's in women too. Androstenedione, dihydrotestosterone or DHT and DHEA are other androgens that help contribute to male characteristics. Elevated levels in women of any of these hormones is very common in polycystic ovarian syndrome, which again comes from women who are eating a lot of sugar and starch and they grow facial hair. They lose the hair on their head. They get acne, all signs of too much testosterone. PCOS actually affects eight to 12% of women. It's actually a metabolic problem caused by diet that adversely affects insulin. It's high carbs, high starch, high sugar, and also affects other hormones like androgens we just talked about. When women become resistant to the effects of insulin, it causes your body to make more of the male sex hormones. And women, that leads to all those problems we just mentioned, like facial hair and hair loss in the head. So in addition to the androgens, the other lab test that's important to check when you suspect PCOS are the FSH and LH hormones. Now, FSH normally triggers ovulation, making women fertile so they can conceive a baby. But in PCOS, this mechanism is broken and the FSH can be low. So low that ovulation and conception can occur, which is why women with PCOS have infertility. So the key is the LH to FSH ratio. If it's high, then it's a problem, meaning you have more LH, which stimulates the androgens or testosterone hormones, and less of the FSH, which stimulates the estrogen and the follicles. So how do you know if you have PCOS? Well, other than testing, things like facial hair, irregular menstrual cycles, heavy bleeding, thinning of your head hair, weight around the middle, all can be signs of PCOS. We are also seeing a rise of thin people presenting with PCOS. So it's no longer exclusively thought as a condition of overweight women. Now in functional medicine, it's essential to remember that we're finding the root cause. So if you see any cysts on the ovaries or any of these abnormal lab tests that point to PCOS, the story should not end there. You don't just want to take the pill and cross your fingers. You want to go back to the real issue, the metabolic disturbance caused by diet that's high in starch and sugar. We're going to talk about what testing is essential for metabolic conditions in a video coming up, so stay tuned for that. Now, the test that we've discussed so far can all be measured with a simple blood test. But when we want to dig deeper, we can also measure hormones by sampling the urine. At the Ultra Wellness Center, we use a test called Dutch or another test called Essential Estrogens from Genova, which looks at hormone metabolites. It looks at the downstream breakdown products of hormones, and it's gonna tell you a lot about what's happening with your hormone metabolism. I'm gonna take you through some of the big things that I look at when I order a Dutch test or an Essential Estrogens test. Now, when we look at these hormone metabolism tests, they tell us a lot, not just the absolute levels, but which types of metabolites are, are occurring and what they mean and what they do. So this is the summary page, and we look at your androgen levels, we look at estrogen levels, we look at progesterone levels, we look at even cortisol levels, which we'll get to later when we talk about adrenals. These are important metabolites, some are through saliva, some are through blood, some are through urine. And in fact, we even go deeper and we look at 
all these different metabolites, which are different forms of estrogens that get broken down by the liver and can turn into either protective things that prevent cancer or things that cause cancer. So you really wanna be careful when you look at this, if someone has a high risk of cancer, if someone's taking hormones, if someone has messed up hormones, this tells you a lot about what you can do. And then you can adjust what you're doing. You can take various nutrients like methane, which comes from broccoli or other things to help balance out these hormones. And that's what a good functional medicine doctor will do. Now, we talked about fatigue when we talked about low testosterone, but there's definitely another hormone that you wanna check if you've experienced low energy and that is your thyroid hormone levels. See, the thyroid gland is a small butterfly-shaped gland that sits on your neck. And it sets the metabolic rate in your body and it runs almost everything. Every cell in your body has receptors for thyroid hormone because it's affecting almost everything. Here's the deal though. One in five women and one in 10 men have low thyroid. And what's even worse is only half of them are diagnosed and one quarter of the ones who are diagnosed are not treated optimally. You see, thyroid problems are often undetected because most practitioners do not know how to fully evaluate thyroid health. Your primary care doctor might run a screening test called TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone. But this is not enough to decide whether or not your thyroid is optimally functioning. Another important point is that the reference range for the TSH is 0.45 to 4.5, that's a tenfold difference. That's a huge range. Does that mean if your value is 4.4 compared to 0.5, is that the same? No, it's not. And you will have very varying symptoms based on what your levels are. So what are the kinds of symptoms that a low functioning thyroid might cause? Well, you could have cold hands and feet. You could have trouble losing weight or weight gain. You could have hair and nails that are brittle and have dry skin. You might be constipated and not having one or two albums every day. Maybe you're tired all the time. Maybe you have trouble getting up in the morning, which is a really a common sign for low thyroid function. Maybe you have brain fog or memory issues or depression or low libido. I mean, there's all kinds of symptoms that happen because it runs almost everything. It might even cause high cholesterol. These symptoms warrant a thyroid panel to see if the gland is not kicking out the fuel it should be. And that's not just the TSH, it's a full thyroid panel, which we're gonna talk about in a minute. So you go to your doctor, and since you've seen this video, you're gonna tell them your symptoms, and you're gonna ask them if they're willing to do a full thyroid panel to see if this could be the cause. And what does that include? It includes the TSH, yes, but something called a free T3, a free T4, anti-TPO antibodies, and anti-thyroglobulin antibodies. This is a bare minimum to determine whether your thyroid is working the way it should be. Make sure you get these specific tests as they are not routine. And in fact, truth is, there are a lot of old thyroid panels that are listed on lab orders and you get something from like the 1980s, which is not very helpful. These are the up-to-date, latest scientifically validated tests. So it's important you get those tests that I just mentioned because I've seen people with a normal TSH but elevated thyroid antibodies indicating they have an autoimmune disease or they have low T3 but everything else looks normal. So you have to look at the whole thing. Most practitioners are only gonna look at the TSH and they don't even interpret the TSH properly. It should be between one and two ideally. Even the American College of Endocrinology now considers anyone with a TSH greater than three as hypothyroid, even though the lab reference ranges haven't been corrected. Now, those tests that we just went over 
are my main tools for thyroid health. However, some people may need to go a little deeper to get a special test called reverse T3 to learn if something is blocking their thyroid function because the levels could be normal but it might be blocked. So things like heavy metals or mercury, pesticides, yeast infections, nutritional deficiencies like selenium, D or zinc, even iodine could block hormone function of the thyroid. So reverse T3 is like the break that stops your thyroid hormone and sometimes there's good reasons for it but often it's because something's wrong. Unfortunately, toxins, stress, inflammation, all increased levels of reverse T3 which blocks your thyroid. Even if the regular thyroid tests appear normal, high levels of reverse T3 mean your thyroid's not really working properly. The thyroid is such a small gland but it has a massive impact on your body. Now years ago I wrote an ebook. it's called The Ultra Thyroid Solution and I explain how you can use diet, fixing nutritional deficiencies like zinc, iodine, selenium, vitamin D and others how you can handle stress and address environmental toxins to impact your thyroid and how you can actually fix those problems. So if your doctor insists that your TSH is the only marker you need to run, then you might want to think about finding another doctor and firing them and hiring someone who's open to or at least involved with thinking differently about health and is open to functional medicine. Now cortisol is a hormone that's produced by your adrenal glands, the little glands that sit on top of your kidneys. They're responsible for waking up in the morning, for responding to stress. They're really important. Uh, and they produce this hormone cortisol, as well as other reproductive hormones, things like estrogen, testosterone. In fact, in menopausal women, that's where a lot of your sex hormones come from. Now, these are the reasons we've got to take good care of our adrenal glands. These glands are our first response to stress. And in chronic stress, your adrenal glands get pretty beat up and your energy can plummet and it can be difficult to manage your life. You can feel tired and wired where you're, you're really all fatigued and exhausted but you get into bed and you just lay there you feel all wired. That's often a cortisol issue. You might get palpitations. You might feel anxious. You might have trouble sleeping. You might crave salt. You might get dizzy when you stand up. You might even have low blood pressure. All these are signs of adrenal dysfunction. You can also have sugar cravings because your body can't regulate your blood sugar properly. All these are clues that you have adrenal problems. So why do we get adrenal burnout? Well, we get it from chronic, unremitting, ongoing stresses of everyday life. The stress of our family, the stress of relationship, the stress of work, the stress of constant interaction with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and all these inputs that never let us pause. It's really important to understand how the whole stress response works, why it goes wrong, and why over time your adrenal glands, which are these little glands that sit on top of your kidneys, are not able to compensate for the chronic stress that you live in, in your life. You've got to figure out how to mitigate stress, how to find the pause button, how to use practices that can help reset your stress response and your adrenal glands. Now you can test for what's happening with your adrenal function. We use saliva samples and it's collected throughout the day when you wake up, noon, four, and when you go to bed. This is called the adrenal stress index and it's a very good way to look at what your stress response is over day. Now there are several stages that lead to adrenal exhaustion. First, maybe your stress levels are high and your energy is good and you actually have high cortisol all the time. Now that's early on when you're young and you push, push through it, you, you don't burn out and you keep going. But it can also make it hard to lose weight and cortisol makes you gain weight and it makes you lose muscle, it makes you shrink your brain. It's not awesome 
but it, it is a very significant thing that you have to manage. In fact, when your cortisol is high at the beginning, it gives you a little more energy, but it's got a lot of downstream effects, and then you can burn out. So you also might have high blood sugar because high cortisol causes high blood sugar. It also causes high blood pressure. Um, and managing your cortisol is one of the most important things you can do. You can imagine how over time, this elevated cortisol can be problematic and it contributes to diabetes and other health issues. Now, this phase of adrenal fatigue is often called being tired and wired because even though you're producing enough cortisol to make you alert, your body is running off stress hormones. You have adrenaline, you have cortisol, and you can feel the burnout start to happen. Now, if you remain stressed for a long period of time, which many of us do, then your adrenals are gonna to start to fatigue. The cortisol will fall, and that makes it really hard to get out of bed in the morning. This phase of adrenal fatigue where there is no more gas in the tank uh, leaves you very tired. It's really hard to get through the day without coffee or refueling or stimulants. It's a common problem. So first you get the activated cortisol and then you get the burnout. And that's when you get the flat line of your cortisol. Instead of being high in the morning, coming down through the day, it just becomes a flat line. So how do you know if this is happening? Well, you can have high cortisol at night. You can have low cortisol in the morning. It's kind of a reverse curve. You wake up really tired and then at night you might be wired, but you can't fall asleep. The importance of doing measurements throughout the day, the morning, the noon, the 4 p.m., is that often you'll see the pattern, not just the number. We've also included an adrenal quiz called the HPA Axis Questionnaire. It's an additional resource, and it's a great place to start to see if you fit more of the high cortisol pattern or the low cortisol pattern. If you really want to get answers, then testing is the really only way to know. Now, there's going to be a lot of quizzes that are attached to the materials to this course, which will help you identify whether you have hormone imbalances or nutritional deficiencies or adrenal issues or you're toxic or your gut's a mess. So those will help you identify whether you need to go further on some of these testing. Now, if you're suffering with energy fluctuations or maybe you're having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning or you rely on coffee to get through your 2 p.m. energy slump every day, you could have an issue. Uh, basically, if you're not living in a deserted island, unplugged from the modern world, then you're likely under a decent amount of stress. Now, after you complete your adrenal stress index, your functional medicine practitioner is going to be able to help you create a plan that's specific for your adrenal pattern. Someone who's tired and wired all the time will need a different treatment than someone who's reached full-blown adrenal exhaustion. Different herbs called adaptogens can be used to help balance and support your adrenal glands. And when they're combined with stress management like yoga, meditation, breath work, massage, we can see huge shifts in adrenal function and get things back to normal. So don't get discouraged. We have lots of tools in our toolbox to help you regain the energy that you deserve, but you have to listen to your body and you have to pay attention to what it's saying. Now, I hope this was helpful. And more than anything, I hope that this will give you confidence to have an open and educated conversation with your doctor about what you're experiencing so you can take the right steps to get to the root cause of your fatigue or your hormonal imbalance. Now we've discussed a lot of tests already, but since we're always digging deeper to get answers, there's a lot of other tests that I know you're gonna find interesting, so hang in there. Tomorrow, we're gonna to discuss heart health and the labs that are helpful in determining your actual risk of heart disease and one of the most controversial and constantly evolving topics in medicine. I'll see you there.
Thank you for listening to this excerpt from Dr. Mark Hyman's course on hacking your healthcare. If you want to watch all 10 days of this course, plus access downloadable worksheets and bonus content, well then go to onecommune.com health and sign up for a free trial of commune membership. That's O-N-E commune.com health. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to commune's course library, including the full length version of Hacking Your Healthcare. Feel free to email me with any suggestions and criticism of the constructive variety at jeffk at onecommune.com. Okay, that's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasnow, and I am here for you.